I'm going to read for Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, the bishop, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon these, my, every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you are all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ even as it is meet for you to think this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel here ye all are partakers of my grace for God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that ye may approve the approve things that are excellent that ye may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing conf confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I, set, I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therefore therein to rejoice, yea, and, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that it is nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I wot not. For I am straight betwixt the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and the joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me than by my coming to you again only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit and with one with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition.
but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in him. In me. Thank you, Brother Adrian, for reading that passage there in Philippians 1. Christian, Philippians, the book of Philippians is one of my favorite uh, epistles that Paul wrote. There is so much life, so much excitement that Paul writes here in the book of Philippians, to the church of Philippians, and um, I just appreciate the reading of the word there this morning. Before we get started, I want to say welcome to each one gathered here this morning. May the presence and the peace of God be your portion, and may his blessing be on us as we gather here. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we come before you this morning. We are so grateful for the privilege to be a part, for the privilege to be a carrier of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ coming to earth as a little babe, taking on the Creator taking on the creation. Father, we recognize it's a miracle that we cannot understand or get our minds around. But it is a part of the beautiful mystery that we embrace, we hold, and that we are commanded to take forth into the world around us. Thank you so much for this privilege to do that. Father, I just pray your presence and your peace, your mercy, Lord. You know the needs of each one sitting here, from the oldest to the youngest, from the father and the mother to the children to the young person. I pray that we would be encouraged in you and encouraged in your word that we would be encouraged in our Christian lives, Father, and if there's any area in our hearts that we do not love our fellow man like you would want us to love, that you would just show us that and convict us of that, that we could, we could be all out for you. Father, we just desire that your kingdom come, your will be done this morning. I thank you for each one gathered here. I pray for those who are not here. For whatever reason, I pray your presence would be with them. I pray your hand of healing would be upon the sick and that your grace would be upon each one who is not here that would desire to be here. And I pray ultimately today that your name would be lifted up, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I was challenged in verse 27 of the chapter that Brother Adrian read, the very first phrase there, only 
Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. I was challenged in that in my personal life, and it's an interesting thought that we can think about. What does it mean when something is becoming to an individual? Titus talking about the women, the age of women, of their, it's going to slip me, of their, uh, I believe it was their modesty, their meekness, is becoming uh, women. Proverbs talks about that wisdom or wise words is not becoming to the fool, to the lips of a fool, much less lying lips to a prince. In other words, the word becoming is something, whether it's fitting, whether it's worthy, whether it, whether it fits that individual. And as we ponder this phrase here, and I was pondering this phrase for quite a while, what does it mean that we, that let our conversation, our conversation is our life, our conduct, how we operate, what we say, let our life be becoming or worthy, I would say, we could say worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to title the message this morning, A Church Worthy of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was writing here to the Philippian church, and one of his key things that he keeps talking about is the gospel of Jesus and we may ask the question this morning, what is the gospel of Jesus? If somebody asked you this morning, what is the gospel of Jesus, what would you say? You say you believe in the gospel of Jesus. What, do, what does that mean involve? Anyone help me? The good news. What's the good news? That we can be washed from our sins. So in that, you're saying we're sinners, right? The part of the gospel is, I believe, is first emphasizing, validating the fact that we are all sinners. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners and deserve hell and the judgment of hell in our lives. Okay, so what else is a part of the good news? What else is a part of that good news? I believe you actually said it, didn't you? We can be saved. We can be washed. A part of that gospel of Jesus Christ is the fact that Jesus Christ himself came to earth, took on a form, just as Brother Jared shared, took on a form of, of, of his creation, took on bodily form as a man. 100% God, 100% man, came in, took on form of a man, faced temptation as a man, overcome temptation, did not sin, did not fall, and thus made him worthy of being our sacrifice for our sins. What else is a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That he rose from the dead. That he rose from the dead. The resurrection, an integral part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is 
definitely a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what else can we add? Today is a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ right here in this room. Go ahead. We are saved unto good works. A changed life. Your life, your changed life is a testimony and is a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What he's doing in your life today, you were a sinner, you were changed into a saint. You were, uh, you may have been uh, holding grudges in your life. You may have been unforgiving and God works that forgiveness in your life, makes you a forgiving person and thus changes you and gives you the power to live above sin. And so here, as we just take a look here, I'm going to look a little bit at the previous verses here and a little bit of the setting that Paul is writing to the church of Philippians and the church here at Philippi. And then I would like to look at three aspects after this of, that we see just in verse 28 and 29 of three aspects or three parts of a church worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we see. And those three are that they strive together. Paul said, in ver- and later on in verse 27, and I'm just going to read all of 27, 28, actually to the end there. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether I come and see you or else be absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, so that's one, that we stand fast in one spirit and with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrify to your adversaries, which is in them an evident token of perdition, but to you us of salvation and that of God, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to, go, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be true. So we're going to look at three different points of, of standing fast in one spirit, of striving together for the faith of the gospel and also the privilege that we have to suffer with him. Now Paul had a pretty dramatic relationship with the church of Philippi. If you remember how that church started, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia who said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And that is the call that Paul received to that area and to that town. And he went over it. And I would just like to ask the question, who was the us that was there in that man and that vision that he received? Who was the us? I believe that was the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the Spirit of God that was already working, was already teaching, was already moving. Yes, Paul was looked at as the one who started to work, who who founded the church there or planted the church. But if you just turn over into Acts 16, we see some of the things that are happening here in this church. And Paul gets this vision. You come over. This man was pleading to him. You come over and help us. 
And I believe that's something that's so much important for us as we work, as we plant, as we maybe go forth, maybe passing out tracts. Some of us, some of the brothers were, uh, it was a blessing to, to, to be with and just to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Amen. university students. But you know, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what part you have in a person or a church planting or a person making a commitment to Jesus Christ. You're not the one doing it. You are simply a co-labor with the Spirit and with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there was Paul. He was asked to come over and co-labor with the Spirit of God in the planning of the church at Philippi. He went, uh, Paul and Silas went over. There was a convert, Lydia was a convert almost very soon there. It says the Lord had opened her heart and she, she was a part of that church that was planted there. We have the onslaught of Satan and the, the damsel that was stricken with a spirit of divination. And this damsel would come after them as they were going down to the river to pray down by the riverside. And she would come after them and she would say, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now she was speaking very, very accurate truths. She was, she was saying very, very true things. But Paul was grieved in his spirit. And after many days, he says, he says, I, he says, I command you. In the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He commanded that wicked spirit to come out of her. She had been a slave to her owners. She had brought money to them. She had made them wealthy. And those people immediately seeing that that has ended, and because of the love and the lust of money, what did they do? They took Paul and Silas. They beat them. They brought them before the judges. They said, these men are teaching us things that, well, they do exceedingly trouble, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Immediately attacked the Roman, uh, the, the fact that, the, 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 and I should maybe say, the, 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 the area of Philippi there was under Roman rule. It was a Roman colony. And even though it was a long ways from Rome, it was hundreds of miles from Rome, it would have been a part of the Roman, uh, Roman it would have been a Roman colony and had Roman rights and Roman rule, and there would have been Roman rule there. Now, we may ask the question, what was it that Paul and Silas were teaching that was against Roman rule? And as I thought about it, I thought, well, first I was like, no, there's nothing against Roman rule. But as you really think about it, what was one of the things that the Roman Empire was very, very strict on? That was worship to himself. That was worship. He, he, did, not, he did not allow himself to be replaced. Francis Schaeffer, I'm just going to quote a quote that... that uh, he has given in regards to this, the early church, the early Christians were not persecuted because they believed in Jesus Christ, but because they believed in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. 
You see, all allegiance, no allegiance, can supersede our allegiance to Jesus Christ. As Christians, he has to be our top allegiance. And so they, they had a rightful accusation. I don't think they were, they were teaching or promoting any lasciviousness conduct in any way or any rebellion that they were promoting, but they had a lawful accusation there because Paul would have been teaching them, look, your allegiance needs to be above and beyond all else. Even the Roman allegiance needs to be to Jesus Christ. What did they do? They rose up, they, they beat him, they laid stripes on him, they threw him into prison. And in prison, what did Paul and Silas do? They rose up at midnight and they sang and they praised the Lord. They prayed and sang praises unto God. There was an earthquake come. The bands were loosened, the doors were opened, the foundations were shaken, and the keeper of the prison, a man who did not know God, who did not know the gospel of Jesus Christ, realized immediately that because of the law that was going to come into effect when he realized that his prisoners were loosed, what was going to happen to him? He was going to be killed. He was going to be killed, uh, killed executed, and uh, prosecuted because he had left the prisoner loose. It was a very serious thing. And he himself, at that moment, was like, I'll kill myself. He was ready to kill himself because he did not want to face that cruel, cruel uh, death that would come because of his letting a prisoner loose. When he realizes that the prisoners were all there because Paul said that. Paul said, don't kill yourself. Don't kill yourself. I'm here. We're all here. We're, nobody's run off. What does he do? He recognizes his utter utter need of Jesus and of the gospel when he comes in he falls down and he says sirs what must I do to be saved and Peter or Paul simply shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ you believe you repent and he did he 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 believed in the Lord Jesus he took them up he washed their sores he immediately changed his life, he was baptized as a beautiful planting of the church, I believe, there in Philippi. Right. So I gave that as a little bit of a backdrop to what Paul is, re is, 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 is writing to. These were people that were with him when he was in prison. They understood where he was. They were praying for him. They were, they were, uh, they were facing affliction. And he says, you were partakers with me in this. And Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. In verse 6, he says, being confident that this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Paul was writing to this church here, this young church. And he was saying, God started a work in your life. He's going to finish it. And he's going to be faithful until the end, until Jesus Christ comes back. Jesus Christ said of his church that upon this rock, 
I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The day of Jesus Christ will come, but until that day, God will always be faithful to the church. And the church does not have to fear nor walk in shame, but can be a victorious and a bold church. Okay, I'd like to just think and ponder about this challenge that Paul left to the church here at Philippi in verse 27. So as I think about this challenge, are you worthy? Are we as a church worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our midst? And we can apply that personally to our lives. It can give us strength. It can give us courage. It can challenge us. It can help us in facing our daily temptations, decisions. You know, is, if, if, I, if I pursue this business, if I pursue this goal, if I, if I listen to this kind of music, if I, and the list goes on, you know, will this, will this be becoming, will this be fitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it's a question that personally we need to ask. But Paul was writing to these, this church as a church. And the question I would have for us here this morning is, and I believe God has for us this morning is, are we as a group here, Emmanuel Christian Fellowship, are we worthy? Are we worthy? And is the gospel of Jesus Christ such an integral part of our lives, of our messages, of our, our walk? Is the gospel of Jesus Christ such an important part that the world around us recognizes that we're Christians because we take and we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we make this real. We make this exciting in our lives. <clears throat> we make this personal. The world around us today has so many altars that are inviting your hearts, young people, old people. So many hearts. Money, the love of money, uh, possessions, busyness in life. There are so many altars that the world is inviting you to place your, your affections on. But Jesus Christ is calling us today, to, as a church of Jesus Christ, to stand fast. It says in verse 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. So, we are called to stand fast. And I get this picture of somebody who is just, it, it, it's, like, it's like a bork. You just can't, you, they're unmovable. This person is, and this church is a group of people that you can slash them with world news, tragedy. You can, you can slash them with, um, somebody can badmouth and try to destroy. 
but they stand fast. They're not shaken. They're not shaken. Why? Because they're trusting in the foundation of Jesus Christ. They're trusting in the rock of Jesus Christ. They're not trusting in their own reputation. They're not trusting in the things that are here and gone, in their success, in their success of numbers, in their success of of what they can accomplish, but they're just standing fast and they're standing together. We have many natural illustrations. It doesn't take the strongest or the most defensive creature in nature to, to defy the strongest. But it takes, just as, um, there's a lot of different illustrations, but I'm just thinking now of the, the lion, the mighty lion that can take down almost any animal in the wild. And then you have the water buffalo. You know, they don't have very, very good defense all by themselves. They have a lot of undefended body. And yet, as those buffalo, when the lions, and even multiple lions, endeavor to attack, they're going after the little ones and the weak ones. But you know, as they stand in a circle and they're all facing outward, and those horns are all facing outwards all around, there is no way that that group of lions can come in and destroy one of their myths if they stand together. But if that lion can make the herd stampede or move or somehow let behind one of the little ones or one of the weak ones, they're prey. And you know, that's exactly the the picture I get of a church, of a brotherhood who's standing fast. They're saying, look, no, no, you can't have our weak. You can't have our young. We're standing fast. We're surrounding the camp. We're surrounding each other. We're supporting one another. We're standing fast against the wiles of Satan coming against us. First Corinthians 16, 13 says, Stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong. Standing fast is not for the weak. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Standing fast is something that takes determination. It takes faithfulness. Day in and day out. It takes standing together, striving together. And that brings us to our next point. Actually, I want to say just one thing about the one spirit. This one spirit, you know, all of us here this morning have different last names, have different backgrounds, have different experiences. We have different lines of work. We have different knowledge. What is the thing that's drawing us together? Why, why are we here this morning? Why, why are you here, Brother Noah? Uh, you know, what is the thing that's drawing you here? And Brother Josh, you know, why are you here? Is it, be, is it not simply because of the one spirit? 
Isn't it the one single desire that Jesus Christ and his kingdom would be lifted up, that his kingdom would stand, and that his, the gospel of Jesus Christ? We don't have, there's a lot of things we don't have in common, brothers. But there's one thing that we do have in common, and that is we have one drawing Lord that is calling us to work together. And I was so blessed yesterday, too, being over there and just watching, watching the brothers work and, and uh, just, just, just watching all of you brothers that, and, and young people. And then I was thinking about the, the, the mothers that were working to bring a meal and, and the contribution that many people were putting into it. And there was an argument. There wasn't, you know, well, we need to do it this way, and we need to do it that way. And, and uh, I know there's a lot of opinions, but I just really appreciated the, the, the spirit of just working together and sharing together and, and pitching in. And, and uh, I just want to bless you for that. It was a beautiful, beautiful picture of, of standing and one spirit. Having one goal. You had a goal to get done, and you had a goal of... of uh, Having a, having a, having a, the rebar laid and, and that finished. All right. So it's the blood of Jesus. And, the, and he also says, Paul says to the church here at Philippi, he says, you strive together. Strive together for the faith of the gospel. Now that striving is not like Cain and Abel striving in the field together and fighting. That's not the kind of striving it's talking about, but it's talking of, we get the picture of like a team that's working together. They have a goal and they come forth as one unit. They're ready to charge or ready to do, or an army. I think all of us have just been uh, impressed if you look at the the, the, the discipline and the unity of, of a military march or, or of, a, of a group of men who have been very trained. It can be even singing or whatever it is. They're very trained to work together as one unit. And it's just one step is, is, is it's just like one step. And it's, it's many men, but they lose their identity. And they strive together with a goal, a common goal. And that's us here this morning. We're a team. Did you know that in the team of Jesus Christ, in the team of the church, there is no bystanders. There is nobody here that's not needed. Yes, you may be young. Maybe you're still learning. But it's not because you're not needed. You're all needed. There's no, there are no passengers in the church, there, there is a time, and we do have times when there may be people who need to come in and be healed and need to be ministered to and need a time of rest. But there's no bystanders or passengers when it comes to this thing of the church operating and striving together. We're all needed in very important ways. You may think, well, what's my way? What's my important part?
Brother Adrian played a part, and he read a passage. But more than that, there's other young men that you have a part. You have a, you, you're needed in the body here. What about your influences? What about your conversations after church? What about your influences in your family? You're needed. You're needed to lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mothers, fathers, it doesn't matter who you are, what your position is. You are needed. If you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have the biggest and the best gift that you can ever share with anybody. You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to even stand up here. You don't have to do, do the, be, be here at all to be very useful in passing out and, and, and showing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The other day up in Columbia... The little boys, the little children, can be very effective at passing out the gospel. And sometimes you will have people that won't take it from an adult, but they will for somebody younger. And it's beautiful. You have a part. It's necessary. Verse 28, I would just like to look at verse 28 a little bit. And nothing terrified by your adversaries. Now that word terrified has the idea of a stampede, kind of like a cow stampede or a horse stampede. And it's just a, a terrifying, uh, is, Paul is saying, don't be terrified of your adversaries. Don't stampede, don't lose control because of your adversaries, because of the persecution that you have coming at you. Don't you lose control. Don't be terrified. It says, which to you, them is an evident token of perdition, but to you a salvation and that of God. And that of God. It is a beautiful thing when we think of this aspect. Paul says, you don't be terrified. But really, to the unbeliever, that is the terror. It says, it says that it is an evident token of perdition or of judgment, of, of, uh, of judgment that's coming to them. And if you really think about it, if you were an unbeliever, wouldn't it be the most frustrating thing to deal with somebody that has the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because their focus isn't anything on this earth. Their focus isn't anything that matters or that you can touch. You can kill them. You can kill them, and they live. They don't care. Their life is in heaven. You can take their goods. You can destroy everything in their property, and it doesn't matter to them because where's their treasure? Their treasure is in heaven. Their heart and their, their, seed, their, their affections is there. Their money is there. I mean, their wealth is there, not their money that rusts and corrupts, but their, their true wealth is in heaven. You can't touch it. How frustrating it would be and how judging it is to their own hearts. An interesting character uh, that was in the 4th century said it this way. When he was standing before an empress and, and being challenged that he's going to be punished because he's a Christian. He said, 
You cannot banish me, for this world is my father's house, said John. This is of John Chrysostom. But I will kill you, the emperor said. No, you cannot, because my life is hid with Christ in God. I will take away your treasures, said Eudoxia. No, you can't, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. But I will drive you away from your friends and you will have no one left. Eudoxia responded, No, you can't, said John, for I have a friend in heaven for where you cannot separate me. I defy you, there is nothing, nothing you can do to harm me. So the very thing that Paul says to the Philippian church, you don't be terrified of your enemies. In fact, your enemies are terrified of you. It drives them crazy because they can't, they can't touch anything that really matters to you. And that brings us to the last part. They will persecute us. It says in verse 29, But not only... But unto you it is given the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him. That is part of it. That is a blessing to us, that we can believe on Jesus. We can have salvation in him. We can have freedom in being washed from our sins, but also to suffer for his sake. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Blessed are you when men shall persecute, when they shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets. There is a, an examples that we have before us. It doesn't matter what happens to us. It doesn't matter what kind of persecution you and I may face. We have examples of the prophets. We have examples of John the Baptist, of, of Jesus Christ our Lord, of Stephen who was stoned, and, and the list just goes on and on and on. Hundreds and hundreds of faithful examples that we have. Hebrews gives us a long definition of, exam of, of examples. People who gave everything physically to gain the world in heaven. And for the gospel of Jesus. Romans 5 talks about glorying and tribulations. We are... The apostles, when they were threatened, when they were persecuted, they, they rejoiced. They, they, said, they said they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer. Now, we don't go around looking for persecution. We don't go around saying, well, I need a blessing here, so we're going to go be obnoxious somewhere. No, I don't think we do that. But when persecution comes, do we embrace it? One of our young men passed out a track, had it thrown right back at him. But you know what? That's just minor, too. It feels big sometimes. I sometimes wonder, why in the world am I afraid? Why am I embarrassed or afraid to say or share the gospel or to stand up in a, in a situation for truth? And, 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 and I realize, no, it's just fear of men. Why would I not be bold to stand up for Christ? And I, I, I just, I take that as, my own, as a challenge in my own heart. But you know, persecution is a blessing because it does several things to us. It helps us to realize that our real treasure is not here. 
you don't have anything to protect. How can, I, how can they persecute us if we don't have anything to protect? How can they persecute us when you're not attached to your possessions or to even your very own life? I have to confess, I'm still learning. I want to grow in that. I want to grow in that. I'm going to close by reading a few verses in Romans 8. And Brother Josh, I think it is your turn to close. I'm sorry, I I was confused on that earlier. Um, Romans 8. Paul asks in Romans here, in verse 35, he says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He asks this question, who's going to do it? What's going to separate you from the love of Christ? What's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? No. Shall persecution? No. Shall famine? No. Or nakedness, pearl, or sword? No. For it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, or no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, we have a great treasure. Let us take the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. Let us lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us tell it to everyone. That Jesus Christ say, is here to save. And even as we enter this time at the end of the year, and there are a lot of people that will wish you season's greetings. I mean, the, the emphasis of today is to get us far away from anything of Christ and Christianity. But, you know, let us lift up the true gospel. The gospel that saves men from their sins. He is worthy and he is to be praised. May God bless you.